bags are packed, are you ready to go? This time tomorrow we'll be on the road Riding with you in the sunnier days I wouldn't want it any other way Hello and welcome to episode 147 of the Corinne Ninja podcast. I'm your host Corinne Ninja and this week it's just going to be you and me talking about shame, which is a pr- can, can get pretty heavy, but we're going to not get into the deep, deep depths of the heaviness, I hope. We're just going to talk about shame in relation to compulsive eating, emotional eating, binge eating, food addiction, because it's a key component in the work that I do as a health coach and the work that I do with women. And it relates to everyone regardless of gender. It's such an important topic that I think shouldn't be missed when we're looking to change our health. And I think that overlooking it or dismissing it leads to people feeling unnecessarily broken and helpless in their, with their journeys with food and whole food, plant-based eating in general and all, in any kind of lifestyle change. So yeah, that's what's happening today. So I will look forward to just being in your ears for the next 30 minutes or so. I hope you enjoy this episode with me. Just hanging out like buddies. Hi. It's always very weird for me when it's just me doing a podcast solo. So forgive me for how this goes. But I wanted to do this episode for a while now. And I always feel nervous when I can't rely on my amazing guests to share their stories. And I feel like, you know, I get to kind of hide hide behind them a little bit. And this is a bit more discomfort that comes with just it just being me and any mistakes or errors that I make, they're just all mine. <laughs> it's it's nerve-wracking, but I'm really passionate about this topic and it's something that I believe is really important that we discuss. And I hope to get more guests on the show, experts on the show around this topic for you all in the future. But today, let's just start with me talking about my experience with shame and perhaps some of the women that I've worked with in women's circles as a women's circle facilitator, as a one-on-one health and wellness coach, as a social worker and teacher. And as a human, you know, we notice shame everywhere and it has really devastating impacts on most of our lives. You know, when we think about the roots of a lot of, a lot of, our addictive behaviours, a lot of our – obviously there's neurochemical, there's lots of different factors. So I'm not saying that shame's the only thing that makes everyone behave in ways that they wish they didn't behave in. But it's a big piece of a puzzle. And, you know, what happens in this episode, I just want to talk about it from what shame is and what it does to our brains and our nervous system, like the neuroscience of shame – and and then how that relates to our behaviours around food, because this, this podcast is mostly about is about food and our relationship with food and wellness. So that's where we're going to go in this episode. When talking about shame, shame is defined as a painful feeling of humiliation or distress caused by the consciousness of wrong or foolish behaviour. So shame is a painful emotion that responds to a sense of failure to attain some ideal state. Shame shame encompasses the entire self. The thought process in shame involves self-focused attention. So shame differs from guilt. Guilt involves a negative evaluation of a specific behavior. But shame makes us feel as though our entire being is wrong, if that makes sense. So how do we know when we're feeling shame? So shame, how do we know when we're feeling it? We want to disappear. Most often shame causes people to want to bury their heads and disappear. 
we might feel angry. A lot, like a lot of people, when we talk about veganism, that anger comes from a sense of shame. When people are opposing veganism as a, you know, compassionate way of living, and they become so angry, the root of that anger is often shame. You know, they feel ashamed that their habits perpetuate suffering for animals that they're unable to make those changes in themselves and that we are and that our our very existence as vegans can make people feel a lot of shame in their own behaviours. We can blame ourselves when we're ashamed. We can also form addictive habits to help us distract ourselves from the feelings of shame and to numb ourselves out. So shame is basically the feeling that something is wrong with you. So not that your behavior is wrong. Guilt is when you have done something that wasn't great and you're very aware that it was the thing you did, but not all of you that was wrong. Whereas shame is about being wrong at the core of your being. So the feeling of shame comes from the belief that I am basically flawed, inadequate, wrong, bad, unimportant, undeserving, and not good enough. And hidden hidden shame often drives self-destructive behaviors and other psychological symptoms such as rage, avoidance, or addictions. And addictions is what we're focusing on here. So self-destructive behaviors often are an attempt to regulate over-empowering, painful feelings, but lead to more shame propelling the self-destructive cycle. So when we're talking about food addiction and shame, as you can see, the self-destructive behavior, so you're eating the peanut butter and dates. (laughs) That's just my own personal vice. You're eating the brownie or the baked good or whatever you're eating, the chips late at night. You know that you don't want to do it. You know it's self-destructing. You're binge eating, you're overeating. And often that is an attempt to regulate overpowering painful feelings. And I've mentioned here before, I call it like a, a God-shaped hole in your heart. So a uck feeling hole. So God, I'm not religious, but I mean like a feeling in our hearts that there's something missing, something wrong, something that feels really uncomfortable that's in our chest. So I say God-shaped hole because it feels like a hole that is where love should be. It's where good things should be. It's where wholeness and oneness with ourselves and the universe should be. But it's there's a gap there and it's cracked and it's been cracked for a while. Painful feelings are there and we we fill that hole with food or avoidance or rage or whatever because we don't want to feel those painful feelings, but they lead to more shame. The more we do the destructive behaviors, the more shame we have, which propels a self-destructive shame cycle. So why is shame so powerful? It's powerful because people who live with shame are prone to suppressing their emotions, often avoid relationships, avoid community, feel depressed and Shame is also closely allied to guilt and guilt can be very damaging because we're constantly aware that we might be called out for what we've done. An unresolved shame can lead to feelings of depression, anxiety, low self-esteem. It has just a huge ripple effect on our whole lives. In general, it's a negative feeling about oneself, but it can come from being shamed by peers and society in general. And I think for many women and men, I'll talk specifically for women because I am one and that's women who are the people who I do the most work with one-on-one and in groups. That shame comes from, you know, we, we get it from, as women, we get it from birth. It comes from so many different areas in our lives. Obviously, they're not, there's a, I'm talking about the general areas of shame that women experience, but there are so many specific ones to each individual. So shame comes from when we are told that we're chunky when we're babies, when we're told that we've got too much body hair or when we're told that we're too loud, too noisy, when we're told that we talk too much, when we're told that we don't talk enough, when we're told that we're too much of a tomboy, when we're told that we're out, when we hear about women's bodily functions and we hear messages that teach us that the bodily functions that we have as far as our feminine hygiene, our 
periods, our menstruation, our discharge, all those kinds of things, our armpit hair, our pubic hair, our hair on our fingers, our eyebrows, whatever, hair on our face, that all of it is disgusting and needs to be waxed away, bleached away, tanned away, shrunken and hidden from view to make more pleasant and appealing to other people in our society who aren't us. And we're told that through magazines, through the media, through our TV shows, through the people we admire, the actors and actresses, men have different, you know, have their own versions of shame as far as toxic masculinity, that they need to be a man, they need to not be a pussy, that they need to, you know, be buff and muscular and strong and alpha and not cry and drive a four-wheel drive and shoot a gun and, you know, all the things that our media tells us that men Mainstream television tells us that men, manly men need to be. Now, I know that things are shifting, but they're not shifting fast enough. And we've all been given these ideals about what each gender and if you're gender fluid or if you don't fit into the two boxes that I'm ta- I'm talking about because I am being really generalist and I apologise. But again, there's so, there's even more shame if you're trans, if you're moving between gender fluid, you know, there's so many, and I'm not an expert in that area, but there's even more shame piled on if you're in those minority, more minority groups where your sexuality and your being or your race, you know, this, oh my gosh, let's not get into race as well. But, you know, if your skin's not, not white, there are just, if your skin's not white, if you don't fit into the box of masculine and feminine, you know, or identifying as a man or a woman, if you have too dark skin, too aren't the right colour, haven't got the right body shape, haven't got the right body shape for your race or your culture or whatever, there's just endless shaming. There's just shaming for everything. And when we look out into for your political opinions, for your blundering grammar, there's shame. We shame each other for everything all the time, constantly. And when walking around Everywhere, when you look now in the world, a lot of the deep underlying fundamental issues that we're seeing showing up with the pandemic, with the politics, with the Black Lives Matter movement, is just an underpinning of deep, deep shame that both sides, all sides are carrying for very different reasons. But ultimately, the underlying thing is that there's There's shame. You know, I have so much shame as a white woman in this 2020 and all the things that being white has contributed to that white people and colonization and just being the results of the British Empire (laughs) have done to the globe and to the divisiveness and the oppression and systemic overwhelming disparities between race and class and in humans, basically. I feel so much shame, even though I wasn't, that I am a byproduct of, you know, colonization of Australia. I still have so many privileges that other people of First Nation people here or people of other minority races here don't have And I feel really deep shame about that. But then they have their own shame about all the things that our society has said when we don't have actors and actresses that represent their culture, their race, their skin colour, their eye colour, their gender in the the media, in the mainstream, you know, that don't – the storytelling and the education in our schools, their songs aren't sung, their stories aren't told, their – Ideas and values aren't represented in our education systems, in in all facets of life. So then that tells them that they are wrong, they are broken. In comparison to the white stories that are told in their school systems, that they are fundamentally flawed because if their stories were valuable, why aren't they being told? If their stories held meaning and were valuable, surely they would be shared that's not the case. Their stories are valuable. It's just that we're in a very, we're still in a very, very, very 
unjust period of humanity where certain stories are upheld more than other stories for really foolish, archaic reasons that need to be dismantled and started again with everyone in mind, all colours, all races, all genders, all classes of humans in mind, all of humanity in mind, not just a select few white, straight, middle-aged people, Gen Xs and boomers. That's a long ramble. Shame is everywhere. It's all the time for all kinds of reasons. And the, the problem is that shame, what happens in the brain when we experience shame by our caregivers, by society, is that shame, even though it's an important emotion that can help save children from, stop them from running into the street, all those kinds of things, it it gives us an appropriate response to danger. And when we feel, you know, it it stops us from doing behaviours that get us isolated from our community, get us isolated from our families and put us at risk of being, you know, when we're isolated from our communities, we're at risk of of losing everything, of being in danger. If we were in the wild and we were suddenly isolated and alone because our behaviour was deemed utterly inappropriate for our society that we were in, then we would be much more at risk of, you know, starvation, of being left in the elements, unable to protect ourselves from the weather and the cold and all of those things. And also to attack from animals, bears, (laughs) grizzly bears. So what happens to our bodies when we experience shame is that, yes, it's protective in many instances, like don't run into the street now, caregivers say no, but it activates the sympathetic system, triggering the fight, flight, freeze response. And why that's important to know is that our bodies then go on high alert. And when we're perpetually shamed, as many of us have been for a whole host of reasons, that many that won't be conscious to us because we just block them out and go on a merry way. And if we've formed habits to numb ourselves with food, alcohol, cigarettes, all those things, often those, those that shame emotion may be really deep and you may not even think that, you might be thinking, Corinne, what are you talking about? I don't feel shame. But when you peel away all the layers of the onion of the behaviours and the tools that we use to block out that those uncomfortable feelings, often at the root you'll find a very sad little child you who has been shamed many, 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 many times on their way to the adult that you are now. So what happens when our bodies go into freeze response? If you've read Dr. Alan Goldhammer and Dr. Doug Lyle's book, The Pleasure Trap, when we're thinking about food addiction, when our bodies are in fight, flight, freeze, as Dr. Doug Lyle says in the book, we're biologically designed in that stress, when that stress response gets us and we're kind of in our lizard brain, animal kind of brains, what happens is that we, our bodies seek out the highest sources of calories in our environment because it thinks that it's going to have to fight. So often when people, women come to me and they say, I just can't stop snacking. And the thing is, is that you get the shame, you, you do the destructive behavior. So you snack late at night, you're binge eating, watching Netflix, you're eating until you're burping food into your mouth. I've done it a thousand times, million. You just get more shame. We've all done it. At the end of the day, you're like, oh, I'm disgusting. I'm just a disgusting, hopeless pig. Like I'm just so broken and disgusting. So we add more shame on. But what happens is we stay in that shame cycle, putting ourselves into that stress response, which then encourages us to eat the highest sources of calories so that we have enough energy to fight this monster. But the monster isn't a Tyrannosaurus Rex. The monster is this internal shame, this hole within us that is perpetually being repeated as we 
make the choice that makes us feel the shame, that triggers our stress response, that then makes us want to eat the highest calories in our area. So if you've got peanut butter, biscuits, Tim Tams, things that you've got for your kids in the house, you've got it in the house for your husband, you've got it in the house for your visitors coming over, it's highly unlikely that your stressed body, your poor stressed body that is hyper aroused in a state of perpetual shame because you saw an Instagram YouTuber who's lost all the weight whole food plant-based already and they're looking amazing and they just just did it seem like it did it overnight. Their before and after photos are incredible and you haven't done it and because again you're reminded that you are fundamentally broken and other people can but you can't and so you shame yourself again because other people are nailing whole food plant-based living but you're still overeating and you're still well perhaps their shame isn't as great, great as yours perhaps there's so many different factors as to why someone does and doesn't lose weight so quickly on a whole food plant-based diet it can be for me shame and food the underlying root cause of my food addiction I did lose I have lost and kept off you know 30 plus kilos but I still have more to lose and you know I have shamed myself senseless looking at people who've managed to just do it all seemingly overnight and and maintain their goal weight where I haven't but there's so many factors trauma childhood trauma histories of abuse, there's stresses, there's exercise, there's water, there's sleep requirements. There's so many pieces to the puzzle that is our biology and how our bodies work and what's happened to our gut microbiome and how long we've been in a state of disease. There's so many different pieces and the way our bodies and our, our hormone function, there's so many different pieces to the puzzle. And books like Your Body in Balance by Dr. Neil Barnard can really help with this too. But there's so many different gut health, you know, Natalie Woodman's work on gut health, the Gut Health MD's new book, Fiber Fueled, I think it's called. Sorry, it's not right in front of me right now. I'll put it in the show notes. But yeah, there are so many pieces to the puzzle. And when our brains are in that stress response, blaming ourselves just keeps it going over and over again. So Many, many, many things contribute to the shame. So five factors that contribute to the feeling of shame. One is self-awareness. So in order to feel, experience shame, you must have self-awareness that others are making judgments and you are the spotlight. So experiencing shame is that you're aware of a set of rules, social norms. So for me, I've looked around my whole life and saw women without much body hair and I've had lots of body hair. And I look around and say, the rules that something is right or wrong, I'm looking at the rules of what society is putting out there in my mainstream media, that women don't have body hair and they're not a size 14. So then therefore they are right and I am wrong. My body is wrong. And that's where the shame comes in. So... For me, self-awareness that I am different and people of different colors, different genders, that shame comes from there, that acknowledgement of difference and you being self-aware that others will be making judgments about how you are different. So shame comes there. So then number two is that shame comes from self-blame. So... In the course of daily life, you might go to a party, say something really stupid like I've done a million times. And we're naturally assessing situations as we're going along through the day. We may blame all kinds of things, but often what we do is we blame ourselves. So we blame ourselves not for the behavior. We don't blame the behavior. Like I was tired. I'm someone who has anxiety. I over talk. I talk too fast with my anxiety. I'm probably doing that in this episode. But what happens is that Instead of looking at our behaviors as isolated from our beings, we blame ourselves and most often the feeling that comes from the blaming of ourselves is shame or guilt, but often overall shame. So for me, obesity, for instance, I 
attributed my obesity as a personal character rather of mine. So my obesity, my whole life from childhood all the way to adulthood, rather than seeing it as a signpost that my environment or context was causing me to overeat high calorie foods. Instead, I blamed my whole being on my obesity. So rather than saying, you know, when I go to the school, I haven't didn't have a lunchbox, so I bought whatever I wanted that was chips and brownies and biscuits and ice creams for 14 years of schooling, like of course I was going to end up obese my environment absolutely encouraged and supported my body becoming obese. And rather than thinking about that and thinking this is a, I didn't have any role models for exercise, I wasn't doing any exercise at all, there was no one taking me out and giving me like incidental exercise where I was just naturally using it in a playful, joyful way, using my body and getting exercise kind of by indirect exercise, that wasn't happening. So it wasn't that I was broken, which is what I thought my whole life, and I'm still peeling off that layer and working on that. But it wasn't that. It was my environment. And it's our environment. You know, we go to the service station to get petrol and there's a ice creams there and lollies and chips and cakes. We go to the chemist to get some or pharmacist to get some medicine for our headaches and we get some lollies and junk food on the way out. You know, there is go to the doctor to get an injection and you get a lollipop or a Dentist gives you other kinds of junk food or you might go to the hospital and there's a whole cafeteria filled with junk food. When we're traveling, the airplane food is just junk food. Everywhere we go, birthdays, Christmas, celebrations, just so much high calorie, high fat, high salt, high sugar, refined grain, processed animal foods, junk food. It's our environment. It's everywhere all around us. And yet we keep saying it's us fundamentally that it's us, but our environments are what are responsible often for our obesity and our food addictions and compulsive eating. But we blame ourselves. We shame and blame ourselves. So there's also standards. So our standards, our beliefs about what is acceptable standard and of actions, thoughts, feelings. So if we don't fit into those standards that we hold for ourselves and that our society holds for ourselves, if, for instance, me, over-talker, over-sharer, loud-voiced human being, existing in an environment where you're meant to be quiet, you're meant to talk slowly, you're meant to behave in a certain way that's not the way I naturally behave, I am violating the standards around me, that produces shame. Yeah? So sometimes you can, many times, you know, that is an area where we can try and improve, which I do do try. And you will know many areas in your life where the standards you've realized over time that you're not meeting the standard and you've altered your behavior. But the shame is there when we don't meet those standards. So personal traits are also another way where we get where we experience shame. So people who have high public self-consciousness are likely to be shame prone. I am one of those people. So there are people who would rather blame others to avoid blaming themselves, but I'm someone who naturally defaults to blaming myself for any interaction that doesn't go the way I would like in in, pub, in the public sphere or any time where I am socializing and I'm hyper aware that I'm perhaps making a mistake or perhaps being insensitive or perhaps doing something at an inappropriate time or talking too loudly or whatever it is, I will shame myself and go home and lay awake thinking about how I wish things had gone differently, for instance. Personal traits like that, public self-consciousness are likely to be shame-prone, people who have that as a high trait. Self-esteem, 
you know, is a subjective attitude towards oneself. And when a person thinks poorly of themselves and when faced with negative events, tend to blame themselves as bad rather than that behaviour or that event as challenging or difficult or a learning experience and frequent repeated experiences of shame, they chip away at our self-esteem. So it's a bit like the shame cycle I was talking about before when we eat you know, when we overeat at night or we're overeating during the day or we're eating those foods that we know are counterproductive to our goals, we get shame, then we trigger that stress response in our brain, then we do the same thing again because we're seeking those high-calorie foods and wanting to get that pleasure hit, we're constantly trapped in that pleasure trap where we're going around trying to get that happiness hit from food or from drugs or alcohol or sex or shopping or whatever it is to distract us from the uncomfortable feelings that are often rooted in shame. So Dr. John Bradshaw, in his book, Healing the Shame That Binds You, says prolonged shame states early in life can result in permanently dysregulated autonomic functioning and a heightened sense of vulnerability to others. Their lives are marked by chronic anxiety, exhaustion, depression, and a losing struggle to achieve perfection. So when women come to me and they say, I'm hopeless, I can't stop eating, I always start the next diet and I fall off, often what the work that we need to do is unpacking shame. And we do that in Reiki as well. So with my Reiki clients, you know, we're lots and lots of tools in the Reiki healing to just reconnect the women on that table to their beautiful divine selves, to their loving hearts, to their, to their bodies, to their forgiveness, to their self-love, to, to their spirits. And, and that work is also really, really helpful for women who have a whole pile of shame and the stress responses in dysregulated functioning that comes as a result of shame, laying on that table just lowers those stress hormones. It takes us back into our bodies. It helps us to relax and move forward consciously and make more conscious decisions that aren't coming from that heightened fight, flight, freeze response when we're making choices around our food. So the effects in later life when we've been shamed in our childhood is that our hippocampi have internalised into our memory how we should respond to situations where we feel uncomfortable or or uncertain. If we were mistreated, our hippocampi, hippocampi, I don't know how to pronounce that word, I'm reading off a slide (laughs) of mine, internalise negative messages about ourselves and what we can expect from others. So the effect is that later in life, when we encounter uncomfortable situations, our hippocampi, if they think it is in any way similar to what we encountered in childhood, we feel shame again. So that triggered response then sends us spiraling into a complicated dance of arousal and fear that adversely affects how we form new relationships with others and with ourselves and with food. So for me, when I felt that uncomfortable feeling as a child, And in our society, what happens is we feel that uncomfortable feeling and doctors, dentists, parents, caregivers, teachers, what they do and what we have done for decades now, when we feel that uncomfortable feeling, we medicate it with food. When we feel the yuck feeling, like if I felt loneliness when I was a child, I would have a biscuit. If I felt sad or hurt or injured a parent or a caregiver would give you a treat or sweet if you won a race if you felt even a good feeling you would feel you would be rewarded with food so our brains are wired to respond with difficult situations or any situations now with we get this feeling and the response that we've the way we've been dealing with it is get that stressful feeling in our body in this episodes case we're talking about shame specifically that feeling of shame we default back to the ways we addressed them in our childhood which is often food because that's kind of the culturally cultural conditioning of our societies by and large 
So toxic shame can cause many mental health issues because it generates a formation of low self-esteem, anxiety, irrational guilt, perfectionism and addiction. And that's why I wanted to mention it here because obviously there are so many different pieces of the puzzle as I've mentioned. But if you are struggling with food addiction, if you're struggling with compulsive eating and you're blaming yourself and shaming yourself, doing this work, delving into the uncomfortable feelings can really help you to unpack the roots of that, realizing that you're not to blame at all. You're not weird. You're not bad. You're not fundamentally broken. Because the emotions you might be experiencing are possibly from childhood trauma and shame that you're still carrying today. So what I do with the people that I work with is help them to be encouraged um, by giving them information and doing some basic teaching into neuro, basic tools, doing some basic practices that help with rewiring the brain to move away from shame. So your brain can adapt and learn new ways of thinking and behaving thanks to neuroplasticity. There's a myriad ways of different ways to accomplish these brain changes. So that's part of the work that I'm doing with women in my one-on-one work is to unpack that and focus on, unpack the shame a little bit and work on rewiring those neural pathways to move out of fight, flight, freeze response and into a more empowered position in people's journey with whole food, plant-based eating specifically because that's the work that I do. But there are so many different areas that toxic shame impacts on our lives, which long-term ongoing therapy. I'm not a therapist, but I am a counsellor and a social worker and a holistic health coach. The work that we're kind of focusing on with the women that I'm working with is Obviously focused on a lot, focused on whole food, plant-based eating and diet and food, but also focused on releasing shame and acknowledging it for what it is, an awesome survival tool, but a tool that for many of us has been misused and we've formed these deep toxic levels of shame that are are no longer at a helpful help being helpful in our bodies and helpful in the way we relate to ourselves and to food and and working on self-forgiveness self-love adding in gratitude adding in self-connection going into using different tools to help us to unpack the shame and the root of the shame and holding it up to the light in many cases and just realizing does the shame really belong to us or is it is it somebody else's that they've put onto us you know is it somebody else's belief that i need to have hairless knuckles and toes as a woman, that I need to have hairless armpits, that I need to have a hairless vagina, that I need to vulva, that I need to, my body needs to appear a certain way, that it needs to move a certain way, that my voice needs to sound a certain way, that I need to speak a certain way, that I need to love a certain gender of human, that I need to value certain things, that I need to have a certain color of skin. Are they my values? Are they true values? Does that do I does that shame belong to me or are they somebody else's values that were never mine and that I never deserve to carry? Whose shame is it? Um, as I said, I'm not a psychiatrist or a psychologist and I don't claim to be, but this is just something that as a person doing this work with women for a really long time. It's an issue that I see in women's circles every single month. 
that I run them. Every single time I run a women's circle, shame is there in every conversation in some form or another, where what we think we need to be doing as a mother, what we think we need to be doing as a wife or a partner, what we think we need to be doing as a friend or a employee, how we think we need to look and act and be in our society is within every discussion that we have really in, as humans in our day-to-day lives there is an underlying shame component from most of us that we face or we don't face we either either we face and we overcome the shame in the long term or we don't face and we either lash out with anger and unhelpful emotions that isolate us further and causes more shame or we or we participate in other behaviors such as food addiction or alcohol addiction or whatever it is for us in particular that also perpetuates more shame for us. So really it's going in to the shame and uncovering, exposing the boogeyman and facing it and addressing it that helps us to move through that and out into the light. So where we can make empowered changes and empowered choices from a position of strength and self-forgiveness that takes us away from that fight, flight, freeze response, helps us form a new neural pathway where we can you know, if, we, if we're doing this work for long enough, we can get out of the habit of treading that old path to shame and back from shame to the, to the pantry and back day, out, day in, day out. Or we can move to a new path where we're moving from forgiveness to a new choice, to forming new habits, to forming new responses to uncomfortable feelings that come, in, come along in our lives um, over time. And there are so many, meditation is such a great tool for this. Reiki is such a great tool for this. If you're in my area, come along, join me. I, could, I do distance healing, <laughs> which I still laugh at because it still seems so woo-woo and ridiculous. But you'd be so surprised that people really do benefit from distance healing, myself included. I've had so many really great distant healing sessions. So if you're over in the States and you want to hang out with me via Zoom and have a distant Reiki healing, I would love to give you your first distant healing if you're new to Reiki or if you're listening. If you're wanting to do this work yourself and to do a deep dive, I'm now doing more one-on-one coaching work with women. If you're a man and you want to give it a shot or wherever you are in the gender spectrum, Give me a call and we'll see. It's just that I feel most confident working with women because that's the most work that I've done the most. But if you're ready and willing, then I'm ready to break out of my comfort zone and give it a red hot go. I hope that that's been helpful to you. I just wanted to do a big blur on shame and talk about it a lot with you because I do think that many people who come to me come to me from this place which is just deeply rooted in shame and helplessness and hopelessness. So recognizing shame and understanding our triggers, so physical responses like our heart racing or tightness in our chest, practicing critical awareness, knowing why something exists. This is Brene Brown's shame resilience theory that I'm talking about now. So she talks about, I love Brene Brown, by the way, but practicing critical awareness, knowing why something exists, how it works, how our society is impacted or is impacting on that something and who benefits from it. So critical awareness, when I talk about where your shame is rooted, whose shame is it? Is it yours? Does it really belong to you? Are you, is your hair, are my hairy knuckles, are your hairy knuckles? really a sign that you are disgusting and broken and flawed and unlovable? Or is that critically reflecting on that, practicing critical awareness, as Brene Brown says, asking yourself why that, why that societal decision that women shouldn't have any body hair and should look like prepubescent children to be appealing to adult men who should prefer to want to have sex with grown adult women and not prepubescent children. Why is that thing, what does that exist? How does it work? Where does it come from? Really having a look at who benefits from women being 
perpetually children who are easy to dismiss and disempower. Where does that come from? Who is that? Who are women being tiny and quiet benefiting? Who's benefiting? Big, hairy, masculine men. Where does it come from that women need to have be seen and not heard, that we need to behave in a certain way? Who benefits from it? Whose belief is it? Why am I carrying the shame that belongs to somebody else? You know, why are you carrying the shame that belongs to somebody else? We need to be teeny and tiny when being teeny and tiny in many cultures just isn't possible. They're just It's just not strong, solid women in many different countries around the world. The ideal that we need to be emaciated and teeny tiny women is a very oppressive white, almost to, to, to many in the Black Lives Matter education that I've been doing for myself are talking about it as though it's a really quite a racist ideal for women's bodies to be teeny when they 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 you know African Americans tend to have these beautiful bottoms and these heavy set legs and all of our frames you know when you look across all the cultures like all the frames are different from slight to short to large to and we've decided that only one frame is the ideal and that is the frame of white white women. And um, so, so who, where does it come from? So really, really thinking about where your ideals of beauty and physique are coming from, because maybe they're coming from a really shitty place that oppresses people and makes other people feel othered and shamed for their very being that they cannot alter. Well, they can alter, but why should they have to alter? So reaching out and telling our stories, so I'm telling you my story over and over again each week in this podcast, by reaching out to our support network and sharing our story, we can increase our resilience and create change. But speaking about shame is important as its survival depends on going undetected. So through secrecy and silence, Brene says, subsequently, if we recognize and acknowledge our triggers and practice critical awareness and reach out to others, we can grow our resilience as we practice communicating about our shame with our most trusted advisors. So obviously, I'm making you all my most trusted advisors, but you don't have to do that. If it's someone that you have that you can connect with and say, this happened to me, what do you think? Is the shame mine? Or is this shame somebody else's? Use their own compassion and courage whilst listening and supporting. So our trusted advisors have to use their own compassion and courage whilst listening and supporting us. So, for instance, sexual shame, like sexual abuse, gender, identity, that shame, that can be a really, really terrifying thing to to discuss. And I know in women's circles we talk about sexual shame a lot because there's so much in that hashtag Me Too movement. It should be hashtag all of us, really, because I, I, I don't think I've met a woman who hasn't in some way been sexually abused by a friend, family member, sibling, stranger. It's everywhere. And we're all carrying that shame because speaking shame is so supportive, as Brene says, as its survival depends on going undetected. So we keep the shame within us through our secrecy and our silence. So miscarriage, you know, miscarriage is one of those things that women feel carry deep shame about. And we have this thing, let's not talk about it, but in the not talking about it and the silence of miscarriage, of infertility, of erectile dysfunction, of menopause, of all these secrets and all this silence that we have around our sexuality, around our body function, around our very being, the things that really deeply matter to us, we hold them and keep them. And and when we keep them in our society, like obviously if you can't talk about it, please don't be add more shame by saying, Corinne's telling me I shouldn't, I can't. I don't want you to go out there and open yourself up and pour salt into your poor, poor, poor wounded heart. You need to be ready and you need to do it in steps that that suit you opening that shame. You know, if it's journaling, if it's writing, if it's just crying, if it's listening to a meditation, if it's going to a counsellor, a therapist, if it's getting a mental health care plan, if it's going, talking to a free phone counsellor through Lifeline, or if it's 
dancing, writing, singing, poetry, walking in nature, swimming in the ocean. There is no right way, but just taking steps. If you feel like shame is something that's keeping you stuck, that's keeping you anxious and reactive, and that's keeping you unable to manage your addictions or you're sticking to a whole food plant-based diet in this instance, just just open the shame box that you've buried deep within your heart. Just a crack and have a peek in. Have a peek in. You don't have to open the lid the whole way up. Just peek in and just see. If it's too terrifying, close it back up. But just start by every now and again just peeking in and being like, does this shame belong to me? Now, you've heard, if, you've listened, if you've listened to episode 36, I gave you lots of shame in that episode that I have carried and that I still carry. And there's more, many more. In light of everything that's happening globally, there's more times when I was micro-racist. There's more times when I was uninclusive, when I've othered people, when I've been a bully, when I've been all kinds of monstrous versions of myself that I look back on and think, oh my gosh. And I'm sure I'm going to make many more mistakes on my journey as a human. And I hope that I will receive forgiveness and that I will learn from those mistakes and do my best to educate myself and to grow from those mistakes moving forward. But empathy is one of the ways that's really helpful to move forward in shame and so that is, empathy is the ability to understand and share the feelings of others and developing empathy empathy through practicing shame resilience we can create the things in life that we want the most to be valued seen acknowledged as a worthwhile person so shame according to Brene Brown and this is the kind of I love her work and that's where I've really been growing in my own work with my the women that I work with, shame isolates and separates. Empathy, on the other hand, builds connection, courage, and compassion. So stepping forward, opening that box of shame that's in your chest, we're wanting to open it with our empathy, open it with our forgiveness, because opening it with empathy and noticing that shame but talking about it bringing it out into the room, holding it up to the light and talking about it with others can help like others. If it's, if it's a counsellor, if it's a family member, if it's a close friend, if it's a pastor at your church, whoever it is, can help us build connection. It can help us build our courage and our self-compassion and ultimately help us lower those stress responses, help us remove that sh- that that shame altogether in many cases or at least make it much much less of a gremlin within us that's ruling the show and more of a thing that we notice with empathy and compassion and self-love and say i see you there in that shame box that we've buried within our chests i know that you're there but you aren't running the show I am running the show now from a place of empathy, self-love and compassion with my team, my community, my connections around me who are also supporting me and reminding me that I am not the sum total of all of my mistakes and all of my physical physicalities that aren't in accordance with what society deems is of the most value at the period in history that I live in, I am worthwhile just because I am. Just because I exist, I am worthwhile without having done or been or looked a certain way, without ever achieving the ideal body, the ideal weight, the ideal amount of body hair to skin ratio. Looking at my knuckles as I say this, I am worthwhile regardless of my achievements and of my failures. I am worthy. (sighs) 
So I will put some links in the show notes to Brene Brown's work, if you haven't ever seen it, to The Pleasure Trap, to shame and information about shame and how shame affects our brains for you all to look at. And I hope that that was helpful to you. I hope that it hasn't just triggered all of you and left you in a pool of crying mess. If it has, that's not my intention. My intention was to educate. Um, Sometimes I have a bit of a sledgehammer technique with my education strategies and implementation. But I hope that you'll be tender with yourself in your journey with shame because the last thing I want is for you to add more shame to your shame by shaming yourself about your shame today. What I would invite, as I said, is just to crack the shame box open, have a look with empathy and compassion and just begin to critically analyse where your shame's coming from, who does it belong to and talking and processing, writing, journaling, feeling, sitting with the shame and giving yourself some love, kindness and compassion. Thank you all for listening. I hope this was valuable to you and I'll see you next week. Thank you for listening. As I said, I'll put some links in the show notes for you to go on your own deep dive into shame. Please share this with anyone who you think may benefit. Please comment in the comments if this resonated with you. If it didn't and you want to say some angry, mean thing, please just don't do that because the world's just full of people writing angry, mean things from their anger and shame and guilt and trauma. And I personally just can't. I can't hack it, honestly. I can't hack it. Now, I I may have made many mistakes in this episode because it's just a hard time and I'm not doing my absolute best in this hard time in the world. So forgive me for maybe not delivering it in a way that was perfect or well executed. I am doing it at a really difficult time in my own life for many reasons and I'm showing up because I want to show up for you because I value you and I value all of you who tune in every single week. But it is a difficult time and I am having a difficult time for multiple, multiple pandemic reasons and personal reasons and within my family. So I'm doing my very best. So I'm sorry if it was quite raced and rushed and not as calm and grounded as it might normally be. It's just this way this week and I will do better next week. Thank you again for listening and for your time and I hope that you will crack open that box of shame and begin to realise that you're freaking wonderful and I'm so worthy of love. And I haven't even met you but I'm definitely sure that you're an incredible person who's just had some really yucky, yucky, yucky stuff happen along the way that needs your compassion and your forgiveness and your critical reflection and imagining perhaps I like to imagine if what happened to me happened to somebody else what would I say to them would I tell them all the mean things that I tell myself when I'm cycling through shame or would I give them compassion and understanding and forgiveness and I imagine that you all would be so lovely and kind if all that had happened to you and all that continues to happen to you had happened to a friend or family member or loved one in your life. So show yourself that compassion. Be kind to yourself. We're all flawed, messed up humans trying to exist as best we can in this existence that is life on planet earth give yourself a hug remember to laugh at the silly things to laugh at the ridiculousness of it all to laugh that you know still can't do a poo in a public toilet without being mortified even though all humans poo you know just laugh at the absolute ridiculousness that is life 2020 life in in human form you know, we, we are still so ashamed of the fact that we're animals who poop and pee and fart and have sex and 
eat food and burp and stink and have body hair and are fluctuating in weight and it's just comical when you really stop and think about the things we berate ourselves about that we wouldn't berate a tree for or a dog for or a cat for but for us it's just a constant shame cycle that just needs to stop by us all talking about it and saying enough's enough and loving ourselves and giving ourselves a huge hug. So I'm giving you all a huge hug. I love you already without knowing you and I hope that together we can all work on loving ourselves a bit more and putting out more love from a place of calm and forgiveness into the world. We all need some forgiveness in this world currently, some forgiveness and compassion. So I love you. Have a great week. Bye. Bags are packed. Are you ready to go? This time tomorrow we'll be on the road. Riding with you in the sunnier day.